Welcome to the Never Settle Podcast. My name is Mel Clark and I am passionate about helping people realise that settling for second best is no longer an option and that everyone deserves to live the life they truly desire. Today I got to chat to the lovely Terry McDougall. Terry is a corporate leader turned executive coach and she's also an author and she basically loves to help overachievers find balance between their professional success and their personal happiness. Um, she spent a long time herself in the corporate world, I think it was about 30 years, and you know, got looked over for promotions and then ended up getting coaching herself to become the leader that she hadn't realized that she wasn't portraying out in the public world, if you like. And um, yeah, so Terry just talks about basically how she how she uh, achieved her journey into what she now does and writing the book that she's written um, and she also has her own podcast and it's called marketing mambo so it's all things marketing which is um a lot of her background as well so yeah lovely to talk to terry she's got a lot of great insights and um enjoy well hello lovely listeners today i have the gorgeous terry mcdougall <laughs> <laughs> Typical woman has to laugh, can't just let it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry is now an executive and a career coach, and also an author of Winning the Game of Work Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. Great name. Um, she works with high achieving business owners and professionals who are successful but ultimately not happy. Um, and she works with them to balance that professional success with the personal happiness. So they are usually paying a high price for that success in their personal life, which we hear of a lot, don't we? Um, prior to that, you so you became a coach in 2017, but prior to that, you were a marketing executive. And, and as we've just been talking offline, you spent a long time commuting into Chicago. Um, and you're also a wife and a mom of three kids and you have your own uh, podcast called the Marketing Mambo Podcast. So thank you so much for being here today. It's an absolute pleasure to meet you. Welcome. Well, thanks, Mel. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you inviting me to be a guest. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, so I love to know more about my guests and uh, I love to know what, you know, what makes them change their direction. Like you've obviously had a bit of a pivotal moment back in 17. Um, so do you want to give us a bit of your backstory and um, so we can get a bit of, you know, better picture of Terry and also what made you get into coaching? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to take it back probably a little bit further than maybe you yeah. can imagine. <laughs> and that is that uh, I was born to a 16-year-old mom and a 21-year-old dad back in the 1960s. My mom had to drop out of high school to get married and have me. And my dad got a job with the telephone company. He's kind of a blue collar kind of guy and pretty handy with, you know, electrician and welder and that kind of thing. And he got a job on these work crews that traveled all throughout the Southeast of the US uh, on a big, large scale project where they were burying the long distance cables throughout the, the Southeast of the US. And because of that, we moved all the time. Um, 
I guess in the early days, my parents rented apartments, but they were literally having to move like every few weeks or, or maybe on a larger scale project every few months. And so eventually uh, my dad bought a trailer, so a uh, caravan or whatever you want to call it um, in, in uh, the UK. But, um, you know, he would just hitch it up to the back of his pickup truck and move us to the next town. And we lived in... Uh, more than 40 places by the time that I was 11 years old. Wow. So that really um, made me very adaptable. Um, it also, I mean, kind of interestingly enough, I mean, I went to a different school every year. I mean, thankfully, my parents um, sort of managed things once my sisters and I got into school so that we only moved once a year, but we moved to different states. Uh, I think that one year we did move in the middle of the school year, but for the most part, we would just, you know, stay in one place, but it made me extremely adaptable. And, um, you know, when I look back, I, I'm kind of surprised in a way, but I was really good at school. And I think I really liked school because it was the one area of my life where I had some control and there was order, you know, it wasn't constant change. You'd go to school and you know, the teacher sets the expectations and I just love that. And so I was a good student and- um, Can I just say, you say it wasn't constant change. Um, I went to one primary school and one secondary school. And when I was in primary school, we moved house and my mum wanted to move us to a different primary school. And I said, no way, I don't get care. I'm getting a bus. So we had to get a bus to the new, you know, from the mm -hmm. new place. Mm -hmm. And at the age of, I think I was nine, ten, she and my brother was a year younger than me. She let us do that um, because I kicked up such a stink. So <clears throat> the thought of changing schools for me was just not even an option. So yes. how on earth did you cope with making new friends every 12 months? Well, it was the only type of life that I knew because the majority of those 40 moves happened even before I got into school. Um, and, uh, uh, sorry, there's a little distraction here. Um, so I, I suppose, you know, when you're a child, you don't know any different than what you're brought up with. And I do remember my mother coming to me at some point and telling me that we were going to move and just, you know, starting to cry and bawl uncontrollably. But I think that over time, I just realized that I didn't have a choice, you know, like this was just what my family was doing. And it really caused me to be very self-reliant. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, um, you know, I made friends, but the interesting thing is that when you move into a new school, there's always some kid that wants to be friends with the new kid, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I was always being taken under the wing of somebody. And um, I, I kind of learned to be self-reliant, but also friendly enough, you know, likable. But I, in, in some ways, didn't make myself that vulnerable, right? Because when you go into new situations, you really have to gauge like who's safe who's not i became extremely observant um because i had to sort of like every situation evaluate what's going on here like where where is something safe where is it not and uh also so 
understand the new rules, right? Because sometimes the rules are explicit and sometimes they're not, you know, sometimes you just sort of have to like look for the clues and figure out like, how do you navigate in this environment? Um, so one thing that I, I really thank my mother for is the fact that she always, you know, I think because she had such a tremendous loss of her, you know, kind of childhood of having to become a mother at such an early age, um, she always instilled in my sisters and I that we were going to get a college education. And um, because I was a good student, I was able to get into a good university. And um, when I got out, I was really set on working in the corporate world. And I think part of it was driven by the fact that, you know, I, I didn't really want for anything whenever I was growing up. I mean, our family had enough. And at some point, my when I was about in third grade, my parents bought a house and, um, you know, I kind of grew up the typical middle class um, background. But uh, I think that my mom wanted more for me and I wanted more for me. You know, I wanted to I wanted to be able to do more, you know, go on vacation and have her nicer clothes and stuff like that. And so I set my sights on working in the corporate world. But the interesting thing is that, I mean, maybe not interesting, it's pretty obvious, but I didn't have any role models about, you know, I went to college and I just was sort of, I, w I went to a pretty elite university and there were a lot of, I mean, even people that, you know, there were children of, of kind of famous people or famous families, right? You'd hear the last name and you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that his dad is secretary of state. <laughs> You know, like famous people. Um, but I was clueless. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm just a kid here, whatever. And when I look back, I realized like, oh, I was really fortunate to be in that situation. Um, but I kind of went through the world a little naive. Um, but and I was trying to get ahead in my career once I got out of, of college. But what I found was that there were some missing pieces, you know, like I didn't understand necessarily what was going on around me. So it just made me more uh, keen on learning and, you know, continuing to use that kind of superpower that I developed as a child to really look at the situations that I was in and to say like, okay, I thought it was this way, but I'm doing these things and that's not working. So what do I need to do differently? Like what what's working here? You know, what what are people that are getting ahead in their career doing that I'm not doing? And then I started reading books. And at, at some point, I, um, I hired um, an executive coach. And after I hired the coach, that's when I started understanding that there were some kind of unwritten rules of the game of work that I was totally missing. You know, I didn't understand how I really needed to show up. I just thought, oh, if I'm just a good girl and I keep my nose clean and my, you know, nose to the grindstone, then I'm going to get ahead. And that's not how it works. Um, and once, um, so I know this is a bit of a long story, but um, once I hired the executive coach, that really unlocked a whole new realm for me. And I, um, I did it in response to... Uh, trying to get promoted at one company where I'd been there for eight or nine years and failing, failing to get promoted. So and uh, coach. <clears throat> yes, yeah. I, I hired a coach because I thought, okay, what I'm doing isn't working. Um, it, it, it was actually even a little bit humiliating because I applied for my, my boss left the company. I had been sort of his right hand person. 
he was he was gone for a number of months before they even uh, posted the job. And I was sort of keeping everything together as, you know, maybe the informal leader of the department. And I, I kind of looked at myself as the heir apparent. But when I went into the interview process, I didn't really, I, I think I assumed that people saw me in a different way than they actually did. I thought that they saw, and my boss had really relied on me tremendously. And I thought that people saw me as a leader and the heir apparent. And uh, so when I went into the interview process, I didn't really prepare. Um, and I just figured, hey, they know me, they see I'm doing a good job, and they'll promote me. Well, I got eliminated from the, the process because I didn't interview very well. So I hired the coach. And um, I, uh, that that was really helpful to me. And uh, eventually, um, I got I got uh, an opportunity from a recruiter and using everything that I learned working with the coach, I was able to get a job with a different company that doubled my salary the first year that I was in that job. And, you know, it just, it just was a big eye opener for me because it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough or hardworking enough. It was just that I was missing a few details of how you need to operate at work right. so anyway i went go ahead sorry sorry there is a bit of a delay on our internet for some reason um can you just share what one or two of those things was because in my mind i'm, I'm uh, envisaging like there's a certain game to play isn't there in corporate organizations mm -hmm. yeah and yes. i've never been interested in playing those games you know it's just not mm -hmm. um so yeah. Give, give us one or two things that it was suggested that you change. Well, you know, it was really about being, I had been a good, what I call worker bee, right? I was a good project manager. I was pretty smart at strategy and so forth, but I wasn't the person that was influencing within the organization to get the things done. I was sort of the person noticing things and, saying to my boss, I think we should do this. He was the face of the department. He was the person that understood how you influence within the organization. And that was a part of the puzzle that I was missing. I felt shy. I didn't want to put myself out there. I wanted to be recognized for being smart and strategic and hardworking, but I wasn't willing to step outside my comfort zone and step up and say, I'm a leader. And that's, that's sort of the, the ground that I covered with the executive coach to step outside of that comfort zone. And, and I, I suppose that uh, they call it executive presence, right? Like when do you step up and say, yes, I am the leader here and I'm willing to take the responsibility. I'm willing to sort of, you know, pick my head up from being in the weeds to look out on the horizon and find those opportunities. And then in many ways, put my money where my mouth is, right? Like if I believe that this is something that needs to happen and then I need to go out and influence the, the people in the organization to get on board with it. And that was, that was really a big missing piece of the puzzle for me. Um, but having had the humiliation basically of being denied a promotion that I thought that I was ready for. But in, in fact, I wasn't, right? Because I, I was smart enough and I was hardworking enough. I knew the organization, but I, I wasn't yet ready to step up 
to that next level, like mentally promote myself to that level. With with um, working with the coach, I think I broke through that and got the opportunity at the organization here in Chicago. And, you know, I think that I think the big difference is just being willing to, you know, sit down across the table from the business leaders that I was the head of marketing for one of the businesses at um, the bank that I went to work for. And I was sitting down with the heads of the businesses, you know, that the head and their lieutenants. And um, I was on um, it was my responsibility to make things happen. Right. And when when you're the second banana, yes, you're you're like running the projects, but you're not really on the hook for it. And I think that when when you have the ability to do, but you also have the courage to put yourself out there and say, yeah, I, you know, the buck stops here. That's when I think you're ready for leadership. OK, cool. So <clears throat> so the bank was your last job, which was 12 years. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And so what so, happened next? Well, I mean, I was there for 12 years. I had four different jobs. Um, and it was interesting and fun to move between different roles and learn new things. Um, but the last role that I was in was one that I I didn't apply for. It was one that my boss said, I really would like you to take this job. I really tried to say no. I didn't I didn't think it was a good fit. It wasn't one that I would have applied for. But, you know, sometimes when you work in organizations, they assign you to a certain role. Um, I did that job for two and a half, three years, something like that. And despite my best best efforts, I still never felt like it was a good fit. I just felt like I was always running into friction and, it, you know, it was a bit of a grind. And so somewhere along the line, I just said to myself, I don't think this is a good fit. What's next? I looked around, didn't really see anything within the organization that looked like a logical next fit. I mean, I've been there 12, 12 years. And um, by the way, the company is a company that's not headquartered in the US. And so I was pretty much at the top of the ladder for U.S. roles anyway. Um, I didn't have any interest in moving um, out of the country to, to get to that next level. So I interviewed for some uh, next level jobs at other companies. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't feeling that excited about it. Mm. And that really, that really told myself something. I mean, it's really interesting because I think a lot of times for high achievers that you know, mentally, there's this like competitiveness, like I want to get to the next level, I want to make more money, I want to have a higher title. But, you know, in my heart, I did not feel uh, a commitment or excitement about the challenges that would come with that next level. So that kind of told me something. And I, I said to myself, okay, Terry, and this is something I did at the beginning of my career. Um, what are you good at? And what do you like to do? And one of the things that I always spent a lot of time on, and even, you know, going back to childhood, I always like to help people. You know, I was pretty good in school. And even in school, like if somebody was having trouble figuring out the math homework, or they didn't get something, I would always like to sit down and explain to them like, oh, well, here's how I'm doing it. Like, maybe this can be helpful to you. I could break things down for people. And that's what I had done as a marketing leader with my teams, you know, that some of the 
businesses that we worked in, there were some very hard-nosed internal clients that we had to work with. And I always coached my folks on how to build those relationships, how to show up, how to you know put boundaries in place. And what I saw was that people thrived. Um, people liked working with me. I had high employee engagement scores. Um, and plus, I just enjoyed it. I felt like it was it was uh, a good use of my time to empower people so that our team could run more effectively. And so having hired a coach at a certain point, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe that's a path for me. And I, um, I actually decided to leave my job. It, initially, I was looking at it more as a sabbatical um, because I just was feeling really burnt out in that role. And I decided to get this coaching certification. But um, initially, I thought I would get another job. I thought, okay, I'm going to get the certification. This will be sort of my side hustle until like I'm closer to retirement. And then, and then I'll do it full time. But just in that, in the process of doing that, I just realized like, why not? Why not now? Um, I had to face a lot of fears, honestly, in terms of you know, when you work for a long time, I mean, in my case, 30 years in the corporate world, um, you can tell yourself that, you know, that's the only way to make a living. And that if, you know, if you don't have the retirement account and the company health insurance and all of that, that you can't survive. And, you know, here I am, <laughs> it's five years later, I'm still here. And, you know, I love what I do. And, um, I feel like it's really the right fit for me. It's interesting that you sort of struggled in the earlier days and, and got a coach because of it. And now you're doing leadership coaching and business coaching. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I guess, you know, coaches are always a few steps ahead of those that they coach, right? So you've been there and done that and you can understand exactly how they may be struggling or feeling. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like... Um, very empathetic mm. and one of the things that's so interesting when you're coaching people is that most of the time they don't think anybody else feel the way that they do <laughs> and i and in fact i've had a lot of clients that will say am i the only person that talks to you about this kind of thing and i you know the funny thing is and i'm like no most people talk to me about this kind of stuff you know it's um I don't want to say like it, you're not unique, but uh, I think for high achievers that very often they they've been so focused on what's expected of them externally um, that they can sometimes lose touch with what it is that they actually want, you know. And I, I think there's a tremendous amount of power in tapping into that whole question of like, why are you here? You know, what is your true purpose? And it's probably not to run marketing for a division of a national, you know, large national bank. <laughs> you know, it's probably something a little higher level than that. At least that's in that's what I think in my mind. Yeah. So so what did it look like? So you did this accreditation or this certificate um, and quickly said, actually, no, this isn't going to be anything part time. I'm just going to go for it. What did that look like mm -hmm. for you in terms of, right, so now I've got to figure out who it is I want to help. You know, is there a, 
is there a niche mm-hmm. or is it just anyone and everyone that needs this sort of coaching um and how did you sort of start to build it well at first i was doing both uh career coaching i mean i still do this somewhat but i was doing more of the career coaching which is people that are in job search right so helping them with their resumes and linkedin profiles and interviewing skills and that kind of thing i really wanted to do more of the executive coaching right like people that are in role um, they're doing okay but they really want or need to be more effective in their role and um you know, it's funny because when when you're first starting a business, I think that it is important to get clear on who it is that you want to serve. But in many ways, I had to sort of test it out a bit, right? Like work with different types of clients to see, you know, who did I resonate most with, who resonated most with me. Um, and I think that it can also be uh, – I think there can be like a real fear that if you if you like zero in on one particular type of um, client that you want to serve that maybe you're going to miss out on other opportunities and and that's actually something that I continue to struggle with a bit you know there's certain types of clients that I really love working with but there's a fear that oh maybe there's not enough of them out there and it's crazy because there's you know millions <laughs> right there's millions of people that want to be more effective at work mm. um, that are high achieving corporate professionals um, but I, I think as an entrepreneur that it's pretty uh, normal to struggle with your your fears mm. you know because it's not like um, being part of a, a corporation, right? Where you've got a big, big company behind you and many other teammates. I mean, when you hang up your own shingle, it's, it's you, right? You, and um, I, think, I think that's one of the, the fears that I've had to kind of come to grips with is that I'm marketing myself. Mm. It's, not, it's not some big brand, you know, and it, it does make you feel a little vulnerable, you know, a little bit like, you know, yeah, this is me. Take or leave it right (laughs) so did you sort of utilize your skills from marketing to get your brand out there yeah yeah yeah, I did yeah I was always really active on I mean for many years active on LinkedIn and had um, built a a pretty big network on LinkedIn and my my first clients actually came from my first degree network when I, I well actually my first my first client was friends with somebody that I had worked with previously and he knew I was going through coach training and actually while I was still in the coach training he made an introduction to um, somebody who's actually a banker that he thought could benefit from coaching and um, you know because I had that background he was interested in working with me and so that was that was a nice I mean obviously your first client right it's a um, it's a big confidence builder to actually have somebody paying you <laughs> to do the thing that you uh, that you're in business for. But um, you know, once I got the certification and put it out on LinkedIn, I had people reaching out to me to say, "Hey, you know, I've been thinking about getting a coach and um, would love to talk to you about this." So that was very fulfilling, and and quite honestly, I think that uh, I was really thankful to my younger self for being a decent person. <laughs> Because some of the people that hired me, you know, I one person I worked at my 
at my first job out of college. And, uh, you know, we just sort of kept in touch long distance for a number of years. And um, when she found out I was a coach, she said, oh, well, you know, I've really been thinking about hiring somebody. So that was good. And then I, I started, um, you know, doing more things on LinkedIn. I was, uh, for a certain period of time, I was doing a lot of videos um, just to let people get to know who I am. Um, you know, I think there's something about hearing people speak and seeing them that can really increase that no like and trust factor, which I think is really critical, I think in any business, but particularly in coaching, because, you know, this is a place where people come in and they let their hair down and they share the things that they're concerned about or they're fearful of. Um, a lot of times we're, you know, looking at things that they're going to need to do differently. And it can feel scary to let go of the old ways of doing things and step outside your comfort zone to, to try new things. And it's really critical that people feel, feel a sense of trust and comfort with the person that they're going to, you know, divulge their fears and secrets to, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so is this is this you now in terms of the, this career? Is this you until, like you mentioned earlier, about retirement and all of that? Is this what you're going to be doing? Or have you got something else that you want to level up to or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm um, on the verge of starting some group coaching programs. Um, it's something that I've... I've had in mind since the beginning and I've, you know, I feel like in many ways, I'm a little bit of a shiny object person. Um, I'm pretty creative and there's a lot of things that are interesting to me. And the, the um, funny thing is that I will tell my clients that um, people's biggest weakness is usually their greatest strength overused. And I'm definitely somebody who looks out on the horizon and is like, oh, there's opportunity or there's, you know, I, I love being creative. I love looking for new things. And that uh, that's kind of my weakness too, right? Doing it too much and not like just reining it in and making some decisions about um, what I want to do. But I, um, I have a particular program uh, that's actually a year-long uh, leadership training program that's kind of a, a combination of technology-based training and um, group coaching, you know, in a, a virtual coaching um, situation that I'm getting ready to launch. Cool. Um, I was going to ask you something then, and it's gone straight out of my head. So what you said earlier, Pete... Uh, uh, I don't know. It'll come back hopefully. Um, so just to sort of backtrack a little bit to when you started talking at the beginning about your mom and dad, I'm intrigued to know, are they still together? No, <laughs> no, they got uh, divorced when I was 12 years old. Right. I was going to say, because like 16 and 21, that's very young, isn't it? And uh, yeah, extremely young. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about it is that um, that moving around a lot, as you can imagine, it was very stressful on my mom, because even when, 
you know, I mean, for her, just thinking about like being in a new community all the time and ha her having to make new friends and being so young. And my dad, a lot of times um, had to travel even for his job. Like there were times, and especially when I was in school, where maybe he was going to be working on a project that was far away from where we were leave, living. And there were times when he would only come home every other weekend. He'd stay in a hotel and work wherever the project was. And so not only was my mom in a community where she didn't know people, but she was stuck with, actually I had uh, two sisters. Um, so three, three small children in a trailer by herself, <laughs> you know, not good, but she, um, I think that they were having some marital difficulties and she uh, convinced my dad to take a, uh, a job. And I think it was like a slightly lower level job with one of the um, subsidiary companies of the uh, American Telephone and Telegraph, AT&T, um, in Delaware. And Delaware is the second smallest state in the United States. Um, and it's a state that if he had to travel within the state, you can drive from one end of the state to the other in two hours. Um, so I think that he thought, okay, well, we'll make this move and we can repair our marriage, but that didn't work. They ended up getting divorced. Um, and so that, that was a whole nother thing of, you know, crazy adaptation and family issues. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the, the prettiest or um, nicest split up. But then you've, um, you know, it sounds to me like you've got, you've had quite a stable adulthood, you know? And got, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've been married 26 years and have three kids uh, ages 18 to 24. So, and, and quite frankly, I mean, because of that, I don't want to say instability, but constant change. Mm. Um, I, it was really important to me to find a partner that I could stick with. Right. I, I mean, I don't like a lot of drama, right? I, I want things to be like pretty, I don't, I don't know necessarily predictable because I like change and I've moved, I've moved around a few times in my adult life. I mean, pretty big moves from Boston to Washington, D.C. and from Washington, D.C. to North Carolina and then from North Carolina to Chicago. So, you know, I've, I've moved a fair amount in my adult life, but um you know, there's definitely been a balance between um, new challenges and trying to find something that's stable and well-paying. And uh, yeah, I, I want to feel I want to feel secure in what I'm doing for sure. Yeah, which is probably why it was another shock that you decided back in '17 to actually launch a business rather than have it as a side hustle. So there's clearly yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, I think that, you know, it's sort of funny, because I think about this a lot, that, you know, who's the person that you were born to be, right? And I think in my heart, I'm, I'm definitely a, a creative connected connector. Um, you know, I really, I like people, I like um, new things, I like being creative. Um, I think that my life experience it, they, they caused me to be probably a little more conservative than I would have been had I lived in a more stable environment growing up. 
Um, but I also think that all of that change that I went through made me somebody who I'm extremely intuitive and very empathetic. I've experienced a lot of things in my life, you know, a lot of hard emotions in my life that I think makes me really empathetic with people. Mm. Um, and I, I can sense things in people too. It's really interesting. Like just talking with somebody there, a lot of times I can kind of intuit what's going on. And that's, that's a real superpower as a coach, mm. you know, um, to, to sense things so that you can ask the right questions and help, help your client understand what might be going on with them. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, I mean, and I can speak for myself too, um, that sometimes it's it's really difficult to pull back enough to be able to really see ourselves. Mm. And as a coach, you know, my job is to hold the mirror up and to be there with the person so that they can see, okay, this is what's really going on with you. And is this what you want to go on? Or do you want to do something different? You know, and then if they do want to do something different to be be their partner to imagine and design what that's going to be. And um, one, I didn't mention this, but um, I think another one of my superpowers is um, optimism. Um, because, I mean, even as I tell my story, I've told it a number of times about moving so much. You can totally see where that might be a formula for like severe mental illness. <laughs> I mean, never having really that much stability. Um, but I always was really optimistic, really. I always were, was looking for the positive things. And I do think that just loving school was was really helpful to me, too, because I always thought like, oh, what's the next new fun thing that I'm going to be doing or that I'm going to be challenged with? Um, and I bring that to, to my coaching um, as well, you know, because a lot of times people are really it's very normal to sometimes be negative because we want to protect ourselves from disappointment um, but if we're not willing to step outside of the comfort zone and then nothing ever changes so I think having somebody that encourages and you know is there to help you believe in yourself can be can make a big difference right to to take that baby step outside the comfort zone and say, oh, okay, nothing happened. I didn't get struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. I can keep going. <laughs> Which is what everybody thinks. You're either going to lose your house, live under a bridge, or get struck by lightning. Uh, struck by lightning. Um, cool. So in terms of if, um, if anybody listening would like to know more about how they could work with you, where's the best place to send them? They can go to my website, which is terrybmcdougall.com, or they can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to get LinkedIn with any of your listeners. My handle there is terrybmcdougall. Okay, cool. Um, and what's the uh, parting words you would like to leave to the listener? Anything that you feel called to share? Yeah, Um my parting words of wisdom are that you deserve to be happy. You're put on this earth for a purpose and it's okay to lean into this. 
um, I think that not to get too woo woo, but I think that if you lean into what you were meant to do here, that the universe is going to help make that happen. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a coach as well. And that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? If you, if you build the foundations right in terms of what, what you actually give a shit about, rather than just doing something that you're doing for the hell of it, or you fell into it, or you've been boxed into it or right um, it yeah it doesn't become work anymore yeah so so true i mean i i love what you said about being in a box because i think that all of us have infinite possibilities within us and you know often we're just sort of shoehorning ourselves into a small box that is uncomfortable right and it's because we can be doing so much more um and you know i i'm a realist in terms of you know i know everybody's not going to go out and become a coach or you know run off to india and live in an ashram or whatever <laughs> um but you do deserve to be happy doing whatever you're doing mm. right and you don't have to trade um you know your happiness and your life force to to earn a paycheck Mm. Uh, sometimes just a shift, a slight shift in mindset and maybe learning some of the unwritten rules that I talk about in my book can be enough to achieve that balance between the professional success and the personal happiness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Terry. It's been a, uh, an absolute pleasure to meet you. And um, yes, I know the listeners will have got uh, a lot of value from it. And uh, Thank you. Mel, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, me too. If you enjoyed that conversation or were inspired in any way, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best way for other people to find my podcast and be inspired themselves. Well, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And perhaps the story resonated with your own life or reminded you that perhaps you're also settling for second best. I've been helping people from a young age and realising that there is more to life than what they are currently settling for. My desire is to give others the love to confidently and respectfully know their value so that they feel joy and are empowered to make a fulfilling difference. If that sounds good to you and you'd like to reach out and connect, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash Mel Clark Coaching, that's Clark with an E, or Instagram.com forward slash Mel Clark Coaching. Enjoy your day. <laughs>